this is the Rolling Hills Message Podcast. Hey, we are so glad that you have joined us today. We are in our message series, God With Us, where we are looking at how God is with us, whether it's in the valleys of life, the darkest places, it's the mountaintops, it's the best places, or like we are going to hear today, God in the ordinary. We hope that you've been blessed by the message series in this message podcast. One of our hope and desires as you listen is that God would speak to your heart, your mind, and your soul, and you would be reminded of how God loves you. Let's continue here with our second week in our message series, God With Us. Well, once again, I'm so glad that you have joined us today. We are in this message series called God With Us. And this is our second week as we're continuing. If you missed last week, that's all right. We're going to do a quick little recap here in just a little bit. But if, if you're visiting us for the very first time, one, can I just say one thing? Thank you. Thank you for being here today. You could have been anywhere else. Uh, you could have been Bedside Baptist. You could have been uh, going shopping. You could have been anywhere else, but you chose to worship with us today. And so thank you for doing that. But also thank you for showing us what faith looks like. We know when walking into a new place, it is, there's sometimes fear, there's sometimes uh, ideas of what it might be like. And so, one, thank you for stepping out in faith. That's something that we value here is radical faith, and it took radical faith for you to be here today. But as last week, we talked about how this God, this Jesus being the incarnate, the one who came to dwell among us, the one who took on flesh and looked like us and walked like us and did everything else like us, him coming down and becoming the prophecy to be fulfilled of God dwelling among his creation, among his people. And last week we asked the question, we're going to continue to ask this question in this series, how is God with us? Last week we talked about how God is with us in the valleys of life, in the darkest places of life. How is God with us? Things could be going great. You could be on the mountaintop experience, and then out of nowhere something happens, and you find yourself fallen broken and in a dark valley. And we learned last week that we may enjoy God in the best of times, those mountaintop experiences, but we get to know God personally in the valleys, in the darkest of times. And that if we would just lean in in our faith, we see how God reveals his faithfulness and how God is with us in the darkest of times. As always, we, we, as I said last week, I shouldn't say as always, but as I said last week, our, our theme verse for this entire message series is found in Matthew 1, verse 23, where the angel of the Lord is talking to Joseph, and, he, and he's, he's convincing Joseph, not convincing, he's sharing the, what's going to take place. He says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, and let's say it all together, God with us. And Jesus being the incarnate, taking on flesh, looking, for, looking at us in a way and serving us in a way that is so radical and is so tangible. And then he went off with the promise that he would be coming back again. And he promises us that even though he's gone, physically, he's with us. And so today, uh, what I want to do is I want to talk about how God is with us not in the darkest of times, not in the brightest of times, but in the mundane, in the ordinary. 
Because I'm willing to bet that most of us in life, we have those peaks, we have those awesome experiences of life, and then on the other side of the spectrum, we have those tough days, those tough weeks, those tough months, whatever it is, those seasons. But I would be willing to venture a little bit that most of us find ourselves right in the middle, that there's some exciting stuff, there's some tough stuff, but most of the time it's just ordinary. It's just mundane. See, every Sunday, people of all kinds across this world are meeting in churches like this, sitting in seats like this, learning and discovering and and worshiping God, and they're finding out, once again, the miraculous, the incredible, the powerful acts of God. And our entire faith, if you think about it, is based on a miraculous story, right? A story that includes a virgin birth of a baby that would, be, that would become the savior of the world. That would, would, would endure horrendous death for not just a couple people, not just for an elect, but for all of humanity. And only to, to resurrect three days later from that grave to show that he is God and over, over death, for him to live on earth for 40 more days with his disciples and then ascend into heaven with the promise that he'll be back again. And because of this incredible belief that's found in Christianity, many times we leave ourselves vulnerable to believing that everyday life is supposed to be the incredible. It's supposed to be the miraculous. It's supposed to be the powerful. But when a day turns into days, and days turn into weeks, and weeks turn into months, and and months turn into years... The incredible nature of God begins to fall short of our expectations. And we fail to lean into our faith with audacity, with vigor. And it just becomes simply just attending another church service. It's Christmas again. What do we do? We go to church. It's it's Sunday. What do we do? We just go to church. Maybe it's just, it becomes another, just another meeting. It becomes another trip to the store. It becomes another diaper that we have to change. But all the while, we begin to fail to see how God is truly with us in just the ordinary days of our lives. And see, I'm guilty as a pastor. Yep, I'm admitting it. I'm guilty as a pastor that I usually will put my focus on the catalytic events that are supposed to take, that are supposed to take on Sunday. That today is the big day. This is every Sunday for the pastor is the Super Bowl. And we miss the mark if we treat it as such. Because our God is a God that's Sunday through Saturday, not just Sunday at 10 o'clock. And I think too often, most people who attend church every so often, and maybe even every Sunday, begin to lose vigor and excitement around God because the gospel becomes just another story. The, the, The birth of a virgin or the birth through a virgin. It's just another story. Yes, it's awesome, but it becomes mundane. It becomes ordinary. And unfortunately, I think sometimes we unintentionally limit Christianity to the spectacular and the miraculous, and we miss God in the day-to-day, the mundane. What's, what's intriguing to me is I look at Scripture, and I look at the stories in Scripture what typically takes place is something, when something specific and significant happens, what takes place right before that? Most of the time you will find that it's just the ordinary. 
taking place. That it's just the mundane. See, mundane is to be defined as simply this. It's, it's common. It's ordinary. It's the, 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 the lacking of freshness. It's the newness. It's unimaginative. Just ordinary. Just mundane. And there are so many stories within Scripture that we see where just the ordinary right before the miraculous. I think of stories uh, like this. I think of Moses. You know, if you, Moses, if you know the story, the, there's, the Israelites were in captivity for over 400 years in Egypt. Moses was, was a Jew, but ended up growing up as an Egyptian and killed a man, buried him, and ran off. But what was he doing before God called him? He was helping out his father-in-law on the other side of the desert, herd sheep. Think about with the walls of Jericho. Before they came crushing down Joshua and the Israelites, they're, they're at the promised land. God says, this is, your, this is your land. But before you do that, you need to take a seven-day hike around the city. Around and around. And then on the seventh day, do it seven times. Are you kidding? Mundane. Right before Jesus, or Jesus raises a Lazarus from the dead. What happens? Before, before life is put back into his lungs and he's breathing again, he tells some people, hey, move that rock right there in front of the opening of the cave. Mundane. And Jesus feeding the 5,000s with five loaves and two fish. Someone had to prepare a lunch that day. That's a little mundane and ordinary. See, there's a theological term that, that regards to God's deity, meaning that he is God. It's called omnipresent. Everyone say omnipresent. omnipresent. Omnipresent, which just refers to the characteristic of God's nature, which simply means that God is ever-present, that he's always, that right now, God is in Beijing, China, as Christians are worshiping and gathering together. At the same time, he's over here in Sao Paulo, Brazil, with believers Worshiping, And over here, believe it or not, yep, he's in Paris, France, worshiping with believers there. And he's here in Topeka, worshiping with us. God is ever-present. But the question that I want to ask that was last week, and hopefully you got a little bit of an answer at where God is in the valleys. And, and today I just want to say, how do, how do we find God in the mundane of life? See, I think... The mundane often foreshadows the miraculous. Let me say that again. I think the mundane often foreshadows the miraculous. That before that big event where God interjects into the timeline of humanity, it's just ordinary. And as we, as we saw those, those stories of Moses and Joshua and, 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 and Jesus with Lazarus, and there's hundreds more of those stories. One story I want to look at today, and it's the Christmas season. Let's look at it this way. Luke 2, verse 8, if you've got your Bibles. It'll be on the screens as well. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And if you know the Christmas story, you know what's about to take place. And then suddenly, a great host of heavenly hosts appears, right? Singing hallelujah. The king is here. 
It's awesome. It's miraculous. I would love to have been in that moment. I, I would have just been blown back to go, what? No. I don't even know how to. I don't even know how to say it. And they don't have modern technology like we do. They didn't have lighting at night. So you imagine how dark, dark it was, and how vast those skies would have been for them out of nowhere. The big. It just was miraculous, right? But here's the thing we need to know about shepherds. See, shepherds kept watch of, of sheep, certain sheep, at different times of the year. One of them in particular was called the fat tail. We see, yeah, it's, it's a thing. But we even see it used in old scripture where God's given them instruction about what to use with the fat tail. But most of the time they're keeping watch of these sheep. Here's the thing that you also need to know. Those shepherds were most likely the youngest boys in their family because it was a job for the lowliest in the family. I'm not going to watch the sheep. That's gross. Ugh. I'm going I'm to make sure, you know, Johnny over there, he's going to do it. That's why when we read in 1 Samuel, when Samuel the prophet is looking for the next king of Israel, and he, he, goes, to, he goes to King, well, soon to be King David's dad, or it's soon to be King David, but it's David's dad, says, all right, is these all your boys? And, and his dad's like, yep, they're all here. And Samuel's like, no, there's one more. And he's like, oh, yeah, he's just out watching the sheep. It's because he was the youngest. He was the runt. He was, he was the guy that they had already done their time. They had, put, they had seniority over him. He was, he was the freshman of the family. He was making sure that, that he was putting in his, in his sweat equity as the family to watch those sheep. So most likely these are the youngest boys. What we also need to know is that most of the time these, these, these boys wore this, uh, this bag called a script, not a script, but a script, but it was a leather bag, and most likely their mom would put cheese and grapes and olives and maybe some bread in there, maybe some meat in there for them to, to go out into the field, and they would be out there most of the day, and they would, more for, for a season of time. And so they're watching sheep. But here's the other thing you got to realize. Most of these shepherds were rural people. Like they lived in rural countryside. Them city folks also had sheep too. But they didn't have a way to care for them like the shepherds did. So they would hire shepherds to watch their sheep. So a family would have a couple of them. You know, it would be food later. It would be clothing for later for the wool. So in essence... A shepherd was a glorified dog walker. <laughs> Think about it. I don't know about you, but it's not a position that I would want. But you imagine walking, I mean, who in here has a dog, right? Some, you've walked a dog before? You imagine walking behind that, but of many of them? You just, you're herding sheep. Better than cats, I guess, but in that, <laughs> just saying. But in that, I believe that job would become extremely boring. It'd be extremely mundane. Day after day, the only thing, you would, you would be hoping for a wolf to come attack your sheep just so something exciting would happen. But then you don't want anything to happen because then you lose your job. But anyway, you just, you're hoping for something. And so what we see is these shepherds are just living their ordinary lives, this mundane lives right before the miraculous happens. And what's fascinating is that, that if, in this is that I think most of us are walking our days like that. 
And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, nor in that. I think that's okay. And that is, that is, that's how a lot of life is. It's the same thing over and over, especially, and I say this, and I know a lot of my context comes from being the young parent, but it's the same thing over and over with, with kids, especially when they're super young and they got diapers. It's, it's feed them, it's burp them, it's change their diapers, put them down for a nap, and then it's repeat, right? <laughs> it's, it's that monotonous thing over and over. Anyone ever seen the movie Karate Kid? Oh, come on now. Only a couple of you. Okay, there. It's okay to say you've seen it in church. Come on now. <laughs> but we know who Daniel, right? Daniel's son. Daniel's son is, is getting bullied and picked on in school. And so he ends up wanting to learn karate. And who does he find? He finds Mr. Miyagi, the sensei, right? And what, is, what does he teach him? Paint right. Paint left. <coughs> wax on. Wax off. And this story goes on and on. And we see even the frustration with Daniel going, I, what am I going to learn karate? And it finally gets to the point where the, the tension is so thick that Mr. Miyagi shows him that the things that he was just doing, the monotonous, actually had value. And what I think for us is that I think God works in that for us. See, we see Daniel's focus was quite narrow. His goal was to survive high school. But Mr. Miyagi wanted to see Daniel not just merely survive high school, but he wanted to thrive in his life. And I think for us, God has the same goal for us. That he, that he hears every prayer, which I think for most of our prayers, they fall short. They, fall, they come from the short term, the temporal perspectives. We just want to make it through the day without going insane or falling into major depression. Uh, we, we want God to just do, just, just get us through. So, but God longs to grant us much more, and I believe he has a, a clear and determined plan to lift us up out of the drudgery so that we, we can grab a hold of the extraordinary. And he, and he begins this journey not on the mission field or in the award podium, but instead he begins this journey in our hearts, in the ordinary, in the mundane. I, I love this psalm. It's Psalms 125 too. It says, As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. Referencing God being omnipresent. God is with us. So that means that he's not just present with us in the best of times and the worst of times. He's with us right now in just the ordinary. See, I think many Christians add crazy stress to their life, wondering what God wants them to do. What I believe what he primarily wants what he cares about is who we become. See, I think we become worried about missing out on some amazing plan that God has this intention to make us an amazing person. And that, per that perspective, I believe, I believe can taint our perspective that God desires for us. Because it's not about being a good person. It's being a follower of Jesus. Because I think sometimes our perspective sounds like this. It looks like this. So we wake up. We finally get out of bed. It's probably, we've probably hit the snooze button a couple times. Guilty. This week, guilty. Right? We get up. We get ready for, for the day, and, the, and we get the kids ready, too. And, and then we're, we're barely just getting outside the door. Maybe we're, we're a smidge behind schedule, or we're really behind schedule. Maybe that's you today, even. I don't know. And shortly after that, we finally get the kids dropped off at daycare at school. And then we, then we get to work. And we, and we get to work, and, and, it's, and it's immediately, please the boss, finish the project. 
Finally, five o'clock hits, and we are out of there. Whew. Go get those kids, get them home, feed them, put the kids to bed, because it's been an exhausting another day. We might get another task done once the kids are down. We might get the bathroom cleaned. We might get a load of laundry done. We, we might get some of that. And then what do we do? We go to bed and repeat. Now, for some of you, I know I look across the landscape, you're like, I don't have kids. You're right. You might get to sleep in a little bit. You might get to just read the newspaper. You, you might get to just turn on the news and see what crazy things are happening in the White House and in our politics or across the world. It just becomes another sound, another monotonous day. See, first, or 2 Corinthians 4, 8, or 4, 18 tells us this, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is, what is seen is temporary, but what is seen, unseen is eternal. So what are we going to do? So our perspective might be on the day-to-day -day thing. We might be just getting through the day. It's mere survival, just like Daniel's son. We're just trying to survive. But I think God's desire for us is to thrive and to, and to not just be in the ordinary. The ordinary is, is great. The ordinary is where I think a lot of the work begins in our hearts. But God is with us in that. But I think for us, in order for us to see God in the mundane, our perspective has to shift. Our eyes have to be fixed on not what is seen, not the moments, not the day-to-day -day stuff, but on what's unseen. Let me, let me change our perspective a little bit. It might sound a little bit more like this. You wake up, not just because it's another day, but you wake up because you know that you're in the presence of the Almighty God. Then you're, you begin to get ready, and that's your day, that's your moment where as you're getting ready, you're preparing your heart, you're speaking to the God of the universe, the creator of the universe, the one who put breath in your lungs and breath in my lungs and made you look the way that you look and made the way that I look the way I look, the God who it puts all things into motion. We start taking care of the kids in the morning, and it's not just taking care of them, it's a discipleship opportunity. We get, to, we get to speak life into them. We get to share scripture with them. We get to build them up and get them ready for the day as well. And then we go to work, and it becomes an opportunity. On our way to work, it becomes not an opportunity to, to listen to, to news radio, but it be, we change the station. We listen to worship music, and we begin to get our hearts right. We get to get our, our minds right, and we blare it. Maybe you don't like to blare it, but you put it there, and you get to worship in the car on the way to work. And then work isn't just another day at the office or another day at the job. No, it becomes an opportunity where you get to serve others with the love of Christ. It's not about the task anymore. It's about the mission. Okay, that was really good, church. You missed that one. See, it's not about the task that we're doing in the day. It's about the mission that we've been placed on by God. And then pleasing your boss, it actually becomes an opportunity to be obedient to the Lord by respecting the leaders over you because you know Scripture says that the leaders and the authority over you have been appointed by God and you're going to respect them. And then picking up the kids from daycare and school becomes an opportunity for you to listen to your kid explain their day, not just rush home and get dinner made. And then feeding your family becomes an opportunity to see the bountiful blessing that God has given you and blessed you with. And then putting your kids to bed becomes an opportunity to teach them how to pray, to teach them how to read scripture, to teach them to be thankful for the things that are in their lives. 
And then for you, going to bed becomes an opportunity for you to just say, God, thank you so much for everything that you've done in me today. See how our perspective shifts when our eyes are fixed on the unseen? Uh, put it this way, and if you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write this down. See, when our focus is on Jesus in the mundane, we are often gifted with the opportunity to see the miraculous. Let me say that again. When our focus is on Jesus and the mundane, we are often gifted with the opportunity to see the miraculous. Meaning the miraculous happens every day. The God that we see that, that gives birth to a child through a virgin can actually, that miracle can happen within your life. Not, I'm not saying that for exactly the same, but I'm saying that power of the miracle can happen in your life. Let me share with you a quick story. So my oldest daughter, Emmeline, she'll be four in April. One of the things that Amy and I have been doing since she was about uh, just under a year old, every night we sit down with her and we pray. And we, we teach her how to fold her hands. We try to convince her to close her eyes, but it's mostly, you know, doing this. And we, and we, and we spend most of our evenings with both of our kids now praying. Some nights it's super easy to do. Some nights it is extremely difficult to do. We're just going, thank you, God, for making us through, getting us through the day. Amen. It's just being honest with you. But we've intentionally taken an opportunity just to begin to teach our kids on how to speak to the creator of the universe. About a year and a half ago, that was about roughly, my daughter, my oldest, Emily, was scared one evening in her room. When we were in Wichita, she had her own bedroom, and we turned off the lights. She'd always want the door to be cracked just for a little bit of light. Some of you can empathize with that because you've had kids that want lights in the room or want some familiarity and know that you're not too far away from mom and dad. And, and I went in there, and for some reason, I, just, I felt she was being scared, and she was having fear. Um, and it wasn't, and I believe that fear is not of God. There's a popular song, Fear is a Liar. I believe fear comes from the enemy. And if fear and scare tactics come from the enemy, then that's not a heavenly kingdom place. And so I wanted to teach my daughter the ability to tell the enemy, Satan, to leave her alone. Because scripture is clear that if we say, um, Satan, away from me in the name of Jesus, when we use the name of Jesus, the authority that we use trumps Satan. Because Satan and his demons follow a pecking order of authority, and they know God and Jesus sit above them. And when we call upon that authority, they have to submit. So I'm telling my daughter this. Mind you, she's two and a half at this point. She gets scared. I'm like, baby, if you get scared, it's okay. Just know that when you are scared, you say this. Go away, Satan, in Jesus' name. Go away, Satan, in Jesus' name. Go away, Satan, in Jesus' name. Anytime you get scared, will you say it? Say it with me. Say it with me. Go away, Satan, in Jesus' name. And that's what I was telling her. Come on, you can do it. About six, eight months later, and this conversation happened a good handful of times between the first time and, and this moment I'm about to share with you. And I'm walking by her room, and I hear this little faint voice. The door's closed. I'm not even talking to her. And I hear, go away, Satan, in Jesus' name. My daughter was calling upon the God of the universe 
to have authority in her room over the enemy. It was mundane and just telling her. And I got to hear and witness a miracle of my daughter calling upon the God of the universe when she's scared to go to him and all the worries went away. That's, a, that's a miraculous. And I think if we fix our eyes on Jesus in the mundane, we are gifted with the ability to see the miraculous. See, we, when we view every day as a gift from God, our perspective shifts. We experience God in real ways. So how do we encounter God in the mundane? Well, I think it looks like this. And these, these would be, for some of you, Sunday school answers. When I Sunday school answer, it's just simple. Jesus, Bible, I don't know, pray. These are those answers. So how do we experience God in the mundane? I think it begins with us having a discipline of being in the word with God. One of the things I want to, I want to share with you is, is this. And out of 1 Kings, uh, Elijah has is, is ran out. He's ran out. He's in the, he's in the wilderness. And, and he's having a conversation with God. And God tells him in, in 1 Kings 19, verse 11, he says, The Lord says, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. This is huge. Go to the mountain. God's presence is about to be viewed for you to see. You're about to experience God's presence. Get ready. Go to the mountaintop. Get this. Then a great powerful, great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. Amazing. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the, after the wind, there was an earthquake. The ground shook. I don't know if you've experienced an earthquake before. It's, it's, it's crazy. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. But after the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. Later tells us that whisper was God. There was wind. God was not in the wind. There was earthquake. God was not in the earthquake. There was fire. God was not in the fire. Earth, wind, and fire. Oh, never mind. Hold on. I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> See, God wasn't in the remarkable. He was in the ordinary. God makes the, 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 the miraculous, the remarkable. But he's also with us in the ordinary, in the mundane, the whispers. So God was in the whispered. So when we're, when we're overwhelmed by stress or, and we need to overcome anxiety and we've got depression, we might be going, okay, if God's speaking in whispers, why can't he just shout at us? I believe that he whispers so we get close. I don't think it's, if, we, if he was to shout at us, I think at some point we would tune it out. Because of a whisper, I don't know if you've ever been in one of those, those romantic relationships where you're whispering little sweet little nothings in their ears and, I love you, I love you too. Oh, you're pretty, you're, you're handsome too. You know, <laughs> you want them close. You want to tell them something so intimate. But the way that you hear a whisper is you bring them in closer. And you get a little bit more closer. And I think that's how God communicates to us is that he would, he would easily overwhelm this place with his voice. 
I mean, I think he'd blow the roof off if he spoke here. But he whispers so we can have a personal and intimate relationship with him. He does the miraculous. He, he comes into the timeline of history and says, I'm God, I'm here, what's up? But he also comes in and he goes, I love you. You're a child of mine. Don't fret, don't worry, I've got you. And for us in the mundane, it's so easy for us to become dull. It's so easy for us to fall septum to just, it's another day, it's another, it's another thing we gotta do. And we begin to miss out on the miraculous God that is with us every day. And church, what would it look like for us as a, as a people, as Christians, if you are a follower of Jesus, for us to lean in in our mundane, ordinary days, we wake up tomorrow morning and go, I'm in the presence of the Almighty. Lord, have your way with me. Just our day. What if we started our day just like that? Would our, would our focus and our perspective shift? Absolutely it would. Because then we realize, one, it's not about us. But two, everything we're doing has a purpose. We're not just washing dishes anymore. We're getting them ready for the next meal because we believe God is going to bless us again. We're not just doing laundry. No, we're going, wow, God has given us clothing and shelter and running water. It's not just going to work. No, God has provided a way for us to have money to live and sustain ourselves here. <coughs> Scripture tells us that God is with us, that he'll never leave us, that he'll never forsake us. So getting in the word is critical. Knowing how God speaks is critical. That's why Psalms 119, 97, and 98 says this, Oh, how I loved your law, your word. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. So by getting in the word, I would encourage you, if that's not something that's part of your daily routine, begin to make it part of your daily routine. It's, it's as simple as if, you, if you've got a, a smartphone, you can download your Bible app and it's with you all the time. One of the things I loved arguing with my grandpa about when he was around still, he was 84 at the time when I was arguing, I was like, Grandpa, I have so many Bibles on my phone that your library could not even fit them. What? Are you serious? And show him, he goes, yeah, I still like my books though. But anyway, what I'm getting at is that the Bible can be with you always. Download the Bible app. If you're not doing a regular reading, there are readings that you can participate in on that Bible app. One of the things that we're going to be doing, if I can unleash a little bit of what's coming up, is after this message series, we're going to walk into a brand new message series called 21 Days. For 21 days, we're going to be in prayer, fasting, and the Word. And we're going to be praying, and we're going to be reading, and we're going to be learning more about God so we as a church can continue to prepare ourselves for this future of connecting with people in North Topeka who do not know Jesus. Paul Tripp reads this, or says this, If God doesn't rule your mundane, then he doesn't rule you, because that's where you live. 
And I don't know about you, but I want God to rule in my life because I stink at ruling mine. I, I make so many decisions that are wrong. I do things I wish I wouldn't have done. But when God becomes the main focal point of my life, church, that's how I ended up here. Not to say I'm some amazing person, but God moved in my life to get me to a place to be here. Every day in North Topeka, I'm looking for the miraculous in the mundane. And I encourage you, church, to continue to look for God in the mundane because guess what? He's with you. Once again, thank you so much for listening to our message podcast in our series, God With Us. The Christmas season is so difficult for a lot of people, whether we are extremely busy, we got a lot of things going on, or we're just experiencing life without that loved one, or maybe depression and anxiety is setting in because of the seasonal or maybe the circumstances in our life. Our, our hope and our, our prayer here at Rolling Hills is that you would be blessed and you would be encouraged through this message series. And until next time, be blessed.